So what is tonight and tomorrow? What is we're celebrating? Easter, that's right, Easter. And um, what is it that I have in my hands here? An Easter basket. What is inside of the Easter basket? Candy. Who here wants candy? I'm used to kids raising their hands. <laughs> Who here wants candy right now? No! If I give you candy now, you'll be like in 10 minutes on a candy high, right? Just running around the church like crazy people. So you're not going to get candy now. But I will give you candy at the end of this Mass if you're good at the Mass. <laughs> that includes you adults also. I do want to volunteer though, just one volunteer. One volunteer. Come on up. I have here two... I have here... You can take this thing. Thanks, Ed. I have here two um, Easter eggs. They're plastic Easter eggs, okay? Now, um, I'm going to give one to you at each time, and I just want you to shake them, okay? And you tell me what you, well, you tell all of us what you hear, okay? I'll give this one to you first. Go ahead and shake it. Do you hear something in there? You hear something in there, okay. What about this one? Nothing? Okay. I hold out to you these two Easter eggs to take home but you can only take one. Which would you like? The one that is full. All right, you can take that. That has candy inside of it, by the way. Go ahead and take that. It's interesting. When asked that question, which one would we like? Would we like the empty Easter egg or the full Easter egg? Like Agnes, we will often choose the full Easter egg. And why not, right? We know it has something inside of it. Something really good, like candy. Good. Perfect. But here's the thing about human life. Certainly about the Christian life. At some point, we have to choose the empty egg. Not the full egg. And here's the reason why. The empty egg, for instance, at Easter, symbolizes something much deeper. We just heard it in today's Gospel. It's a symbol of the empty tomb. We have to choose if we're going to be Christian, if we're going to live as Christians. The empty tomb. And all of us have to make that choice, including the disciples of Jesus Christ. I mean, you just heard it, right? So Mary and, and, and some of the other women are going to the tomb. They're expecting the tomb not to be empty, but to be full. They come there to bring spices and so on to, to prepare the body for permanent burial. 
but they're surprised that the tomb is empty and they encounter these beings, these angels from heaven, saying, why are you surprised? Don't you remember what Jesus taught you while you were still in Galilee? That he must suffer and die and be handed over by sinners, and, but he's going to rise on the third day. Now go and tell the others. And they go and tell the others, like Peter and John. And they just think this doesn't make any sense. This is nonsense. So Peter has to go and see the empty tomb himself and the burial cloth that's there. And he goes in, and then he believes. Great. Good. He gets to see and believe. So we know that even for those who were living during the time of Jesus, who knew Jesus the most, who were his intimate friends, they have to eventually choose the empty tomb. And so we don't escape that. Not a single one of us, whether we sit here tonight fully on board as believers or fully off board as non-believers, that proposal will always be before us. At some point during our lives, we have to make that choice. And then when we make it, we have to keep making it and keep making it and keep making it. The empty tomb. There exists people among us in our age, just as in the age of Jesus and every age in between, who do not choose the empty tomb. And here's the reason why. They, they think, just like Peter in to today's Gospel reading, that it's too fantastic. It's too incredible. It's too much to believe. It's nonsense to believe. And a host of other reasons, too. Like, if I believed in the empty tomb, then that would mean that I would have to believe in the resurrected Christ. And that would mean that I would have to believe He was God. And that would mean I would have to believe in God. And that would mean I would have to be all in. And the problem for some of us is, and not just non-believers, or people who struggle with the question of the existence of God, or struggle with their hurts and their wounds and their ability to trust even in God, and that could be an obstacle for believing in God. The problem is, is that we don't want to be all in. Even for us as believers, we struggle with that. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it, where we want it, and the way that we want it. Whatever that is, whatever it is. And it is all available to us up and down our lives from the moment we take breath until the moment we let go of breath. We want. And even for believers, we can want it 
more than we want God. Whatever it is. We could want to sleep in on Sunday morning rather than worship God. We could want this relationship rather than the most important relationship, the relationship with God. We can want this in our handheld devices rather than spending even 15 minutes in prayer, let alone hours in front of this. And on it goes, right? So to believe in the empty tomb, really to believe in it, means that we have to be all in. And we struggle with that. Now, some may hide behind, and this, is, this often happens, and not just in the modern age, but in Jesus' age too. Some hide behind, show me the proof. Give me the evidence, and then I will believe. Because if I get the evidence, then I'll believe. But the game we play is, I don't think I'm ever going to get the evidence, and so this will be my excuse throughout my life not to be all in. We play games with other people, and even with our own hearts and minds in these ways. Evidence. It's interesting. There's more historical evidence that Jesus rose from the tomb than many of the most well-known historical figures of antiquity. There's more evidence, for instance, that Jesus rose from the tomb than Julius Caesar even existed. And he's the most well-known of the emperors of Rome. Any historian knows that. But still we hide behind that. And in fact, we take for fact all kinds of facts that are presented to us from history books that we learn in our school or that we read on our own. But then we take them as more important to our lives than really what is most important to our lives. And that is the one who can offer us eternal life. Julius Caesar cannot offer us eternal life. Alexander the Great cannot offer us eternal life. And all those other historical figures that we know off the top of our tongues and rolls off our lips, he existed. We choose them as more important than the one who's more important than all human history and all human beings combined. Games we play. Evidence. Here's one for you. The Shroud of Turn. The Shroud of Turn is what we heard about in today's Gospel reading. Peter goes into the tomb and he sees the burial cloth there. That's the Shroud of Turin. At least that's what history has purported it to be. 
the burial cough that we hear in the gospel readings. The one tonight and, and the other gospel readings. This route of turn. So, a group of scientists recently were called in by the church. Have at it. Give us your best shot. Tell us what you think about this. So a very large group of scientists, some of them were Christians, some of them were Jews, some of them were Muslims, some of them, well, they were believers, like those three categories, and others were non-believers. There was one American, he was a U.S. Air Force colonel and an expert in laser technology. So each of these scientists were experts in their specific fields. And the church wanted the shroud to be looked at from multi-dimensions of science. If it's not actually the burial cloth, cloth of Christ, then we want that to be known, because we don't want people to say it is, or us to say it is, when it isn't. So in they were invited. This U.S. colonel, he was one of the atheists. And so he was there as an expert, but also just in his heart saying, this is my opportunity to debunk the resurrection, or at least to debunk what has been believed to be the burial cloth of Jesus for centuries. So the whole team studies the shroud for over four years. At the end of their study, they present their conclusions. This U.S. colonel says, well, the fact that this image is in this cloth is impossible. The best way that he said he could liken it to is that while the cloth was over top of a body, the body would have been emanating light as bright as our sun for an instant, like a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a second, emanating light, to impress upon that cloth the image without just completely incinerating it. And he said, the technology during the time of Jesus, or if this was made in the Middle Ages, didn't exist during that time. And being an expert in light technology, lasers, he says that technology still doesn't exist today. This is impossible. The interviewer asked the person, this ended up on 2020 in the 90s, the interviewer asked, so what do you think then? What do I think? <laughs> I'm a believer and a worshiper of the resurrected Jesus Christ now. That's what I think. Evidence. Jesus' encounter a week later with Thomas. So, 
All the apostles come to believe in Jesus on the day of his resurrection, except for Thomas. He wasn't there. And we remember the scripture passage, or if you're not a Christian, Thomas says, I will not believe that he's resurrected until I put my fingers in his hands and my hands in his side. So a week later, Jesus appears and says, okay, Thomas, do that. And Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus rightly says this. He says, Thomas, you believe because you see. Now hold on to this. But blessed are they who have not seen and believed. God, the Son of God, the resurrected Lord, says that you and I are actually more blessed than Thomas, who got to see the resurrected Lord. Blessed are you who have not seen and believed. Why? I think many reasons. But here's one. Faith. Faith. Faith is the most powerful gift, reality, way of seeing reality and experiencing reality that has ever been available to humanity. We can be so sure about a thing up and down our lives only to have the things that we are absolutely sure about be stripped away from us. And it can happen to us over and over again in our life. Things that we would live and die on that we were sure of. Absolutely certain of. There is no certainty in this world. And certainly no certainty about the things that are most important. <laughs> like love. So God gives us this gift in Jesus Christ. And Jesus says to us that all the evidence in the world, Thomas, doesn't make you more blessed now than the centuries of people who will follow you, who choose to activate their faith in me rather than ask for evidence and spend their lives hiding behind that excuse or they pursue everything else that they want in this world. Blessed are those who pursue me. And I think that that is a, a great thing for us to ponder as we look at these men and women right now who are choosing to come into the fullness of the faith. Who are choosing Jesus Christ this evening. Those to be baptized, those to be confirmed, those who are going to make the profession of faith, and those who the first time in their lives are going to receive Jesus Christ 
in a more powerful way than Peter and Mary Magdalene and Thomas could have ever been in a relationship with Christ. You're going to receive Him inside of you. His body to your body. His blood to your blood. His soul, because He had a human soul, to your soul. His divine spirit to your humanity. And then it's not a matter of needing to see anymore or not. Evidence is not important. Encounter is what happens. Not just tonight, a powerful encounter with the living God, but in the years that will follow your life, God will provide you with countless encounters with Him and mercy and forgiveness and moments of inspiration to give you courage to let you know you're accepted, you're loved, you're a cherished son and daughter of God to protect you, to teach you truth, to lead and to guide you in this life and into the life eternal. These are all the evidence, my brothers and sisters, that we need. But until we choose the empty tomb, we'll never be able to appreciate let alone see, let alone experience, let alone then know and understand and identify what it is that we are experiencing. When God comes to us in many and various forms, when God comes to encounter us, not so our eyes see Him, or we need a group of scientists to verify what we already knew, but when we need Him, who is the truth of all humanity and who is the life of all humanity and is who the ones that you have come to believe in. Blessed are you who have not seen and believed because for the rest of your life moving forward, because you choose to believe in him and to have faith in him and trust him, you will encounter him in far deeper ways than physical eyes can ever know Him. Blessed are you.